Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Marianne Purlie Vogels about how she leveraged technology to better prepare new directors. First, let me tell you about Marianne. Marianne is passionate and inspired by the divergence of learning and technology, always looking to improve the way businesses and health institutions leverage and streamline their operations with new technologies. She's led and managed teams virtually for over 20 years, sharing her expertise in the successful implementation of online education. She's held voluntary positions on the Australian Information Industry Association and she now chairs one of Victoria's multi-purpose health centres, Timboon District Healthcare Service. And in that role, she helps to strategically oversee the implementation of government policy. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Marianne. Welcome, Helia. Marianne, before we talk about leveraging technology and how that can help us to better prepare directors, I'd love to hear just a little bit more about you. Can you tell me something from the last month or so that you are proud of? Oh, Helia, there's been so much going on and, um, you know, we're all in self-isolation and we're still working remotely. But I think um, one of the big things that's happened to me recently is losing my very good friend who died of COVID alone in London. And he and I um, spoke just as he was going in to get his induced He went into an induced coma at the height of the COVID pandemic in April. Mm. And uh, I spoke to him as he was wheeled in to intensive care to be put on the respirator. Mm. And it involved me calling daily the hospital twice a day just to see how he was doing and then to be finally told that he would be one of the ones taken off the respirators, Mm. uh, which was needed to serve someone else. So it was quite an experience for me, a, a difficult situation. But as I'm the next of kin and his executor, I've had to coordinate everything using technology, Mm. including his funeral. And I thought, I'm I'm just not going to be able to do this. But in reality, it was so beautiful because what happened was I had to use WhatsApp and I had to use Facebook and I had to use whatever I had at hand 
to actually pull the many groups of friendships that he had from all over the place. And what ultimately happened was it's reunited people that haven't seen each other for years. And I was involved in some of the groups. He was heavily involved in different rugby groups, etc. So from that point of view, I'm really proud of what we ended up with, a 30-minute funeral, which was really quite an expression of a beautiful life led and one that united people and one that drove people to learn about the technology. People that had never used it were motivated to get online, learn how to use streaming, learn how to use WhatsApp and Facebook, and we had the most beautiful tributes. So I share that with you because it's so recent and it's so raw, but it was, um, I feel very honoured to be, have been able to step in and do that from such a long way away, given that I can't travel there. Oh, my goodness. What a story, Marianne. That is, wow. You know, for those of us in Australia, we, and I should say we are recording this in the middle of June in Australia, touch wood, touch wood in Australia, we have avoided some of the bigger impacts of COVID, but it, gosh, it brings it home, the reality of it, hearing these stories of people close to us dying. It is such an honourable role being somebody's next of kin and just so bittersweet. I imagine your friend would be quite pleased to hear that he's, you know, brought people together in that process as well. And, and the other thing, great thing was it was recorded. So people have got to, you know, they were able to go back. And so it was fantastic that the technology was there and we're at this point, of, you know, in our lives that we can use it, you know, situations like this. And I'm sure others have got similar experiences. But so that was in the last month, um, along with lots of other things that are happening on the board. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, again, thank you for sharing that story. It's a tough story to hear, no doubt an even tougher story for you to have lived through, but well done you on on being able to honour him in that way and bring people together in that way. And thank you for sharing it with us. And it does tie in, dare I say it, it does tie in in some ways about the topic for today, which is around working virtually. And I know that you've been working virtually for decades now. So how did you start and, and how do you manage that? Well, I kind of evolved into it, Helia, because I started working in computer-based training and distance learning back in the 80s when it was just something that was starting out. I worked with um, an organisation that were interested in my education skills because I was a teacher years before and I had studied at Melbourne Uni and had done adult education. So, you know, I evolved into it to the point where once the bandwidth became, you know, suitable and because I was by then leading teams, the company I was working for in a big American firm called Skillsoft basically said, let's not waste time with trying to get to the office and back. Let's work from home and let's develop that. So back in 2000, I think, it was, it was fantastic really for me and it was fantastic for the pool of people I worked with because there weren't any sort of scenarios, there weren't any guidelines about working virtually, but it went very, very well. And what was great was the company invested in our offices. And I think that was the one thing that worked very well for us. You know, we had a proper office, it was set up, we had guidelines, we had, they invested in us. So we had all the support and we had everything set up so that we would be successful in what we did. And I just made a point of communicating much more with the teams that I managed than I probably would have done if we were all based in the office. 
We had virtual meetings every Monday. We had virtual sort of glass of wines on a Friday. And we had lots of sort of one-on-ones and assisting, you know, each other, working as a real team, but virtually. So it's gone really well. And this is not unusual for me. You're an old hand at some of this stuff. Well, I think it's great that uh, people have seen it come together because people would always ask me, how could you work virtually? Don't you miss the, the social aspect of the office? You just create different social experiences for yourself. You know, you make time during the day to go to the gym or do other things that, you know, put you in touch with people. Mm. Plus in sales, you're on the road anyway, meeting customers. So no, it was it was fantastic and it still is. That links to what we're talking about today, which is using technology to prepare new directors. I know that in your role as chair of Timboon District Health Service that you recently implemented an online induction program for new directors. So all the new appointees are now assessed and supported individually online. So tell us a bit about that. How did it come about and how does it work? So induction is really important for me anyway, and I think it should be for all boards. When someone is appointed to a board, and I I share this as personal experience, what happened to me was, you know, I got invited to the first meeting. It was great. I met the CEO. I got a tour of the hospital. I got given this really hefty big folder, and uh, I joined the meeting. And I must tell you that it was quite a nerve-wracking experience not having come from a clinical background, also first-time board, and it was just very, very difficult to, to provide any input for the first few meetings. Just out of nervousness, I wasn't sure what I could contribute to the conversation, mm. even though I had done all the governance training, etc. So when I became chair, which was only seven months later, I reviewed the whole thing and I thought there must be a better way of doing this. Tim Boone had no formal induction program. Uh, There was no way of evaluating what skills were coming onto the board. There was no way of evaluating how they were progressing. There was no way of evaluating, you know, how we could support them. And this, you know, just one-on-one questions or what have you. We were currently using some software from Governance Evaluator provided us with input individually from the current board members. And in talking to them, there was a software package which addressed the skills of each individual and identifying the gaps that Mm. these individuals have. Now, the beauty of, of that was, I was thinking that if we could actually assess the inductees as soon as the department let us know who they were, give them a structured plan online, which included the interviews, et cetera, the access to the, the departmental toolkit, but gave them time frames and gave them a mentor and also gave them the opportunity to hit the ground running by doing the assessment up front, mm-hmm. which would identify if someone had no clinical skills, we knew immediately that we would, could provide resources online for them to start honing up their skills in clinical governance, for example, or if they were very weak on stakeholder engagement, we'd be able to tap into great resources and podcasts for them that they could undertake. Mm -hmm. So that by the time they reached the first board meeting on the third Monday of the month, 
They'd already tapped into a whole heap of resources before they'd met the executives. We'd provided a level of confidence to them in terms of we're going to take care of you in terms of your development. And also the main thing was contribution, that by the time they made that first board meeting, they were able to feel confident that they were coming in with this skill set. So, for example, if they came in clinical, it's okay to speak up at the meeting because that's what we're relying on you for and you'll develop the rest. And it's worked very, very well. We did it last year and I'm in the process of doing it again this year as I wait to be told, you know, who's coming on board this year. But I'm ready to go. I'm ready to tap the button and uh, send off an email to them. And they'll be ready to go next week. If we get told by Friday, on Monday, they'll receive a letter from me. They'll have access to a Zoom meeting with the customer care person. They'll mm -hmm. be introduced to their mentor and they'll be able to start training on uh, Tuesday. They'll have a four-week lead-in at least before, you know, our July meeting. You know, you told your story about your first board meeting and, you know, the induction five seconds before you walk in the room and not feeling like you're able to contribute versus this process, which is really from the first moment and allowing people to really, not allowing, encouraging and giving people the tools to participate from the get-go. I've extended that out to the rest of the board too, Helia. So we've got the induction program with their induction plan, which goes for six months. But the rest of us tap into it in October and we go through the skills matrix. And then we sit down with our convener and we develop a personal training plan that we then work through. The output of that's great for a board chair because I get a heat map of where our skill set is. So I can see immediately whether we've got a huge gap in one particular area. So if I'm going to organise a group training session for us all, I'll focus in on that area. I'll discuss it with the board and then focus in on that area and bring in a specialist in that area. But what it has given me too is a, a tool that helps identify the skills we need for the next round of board members. It helps provide me with a tool that is feedback back to the department in terms of, you know, what are we doing for training and development, uh, which is something now that they have an expectation that all boards have a development uh, plan. Mm. Uh, it gives us the opportunity to support individuals if they move on to other boards because we could pull data out now, which demonstrates exactly what they have in terms of skill sets and the training and the resources they've undertaken. It's all recorded. So from that point of view, it's worked very well. You've been chair of the board for two and a half, three years. What have you noticed around the participation at the board table since this new induction program? What, what, what's been your observations as the chair? Well, definitely last year when we trialled it to see if this would work, three new board members participated almost immediately with differing skills. So we had a clinical we had somebody who was from the department originally, way back, and somebody who was a CFO. Those three people, uh, when I went back and asked for feedback, said it was really structured. They loved that it sort of demonstrated the culture of our board, that, you know, we were inclusive from the start, that we were very supportive and we cared about them. You know, the mentoring worked really well because they knew that they had somebody apart from the chair to talk to and to ask questions of. And I tried to map the mentor so that, you know, they had differing skills to them. What I've noticed is a much more inclusive culture 
a much more openness. They all contributed from the get-go. I had one person who, who was part of that trial last year who came on board the previous year who got given the book. So I asked her to be part of that test group. Her feedback was amazing. She basically, I think I wrote this down, she, she said, I can see since doing the development and skills matrix prior to my induction development plan and seeing my strengths and gaps, I can see where my strengths are and I can feel more confident now to contribute at the board meeting using my clinical governance skills. For the areas I don't have skills, I now have a mentor and a clear set of tasks with linked resources such as YouTube webinars to work towards. It's very self-satisfying and I feel like I can meet the governance objectives I have set out to do. And she was a new starter. She'd never been on the board before. And it was really, really fantastic to get that feedback from her. Oh, absolutely. Great for the individuals and also great for the board as a whole to really have you all operating at that level. How fantastic. I've been really inspired by everybody because at the end of the day, Everybody brings something and we need the diversity around that conversation that we have around the board table. And it's okay, you're not an expert in everything, but you bring something to that boardroom table. And I want everybody to contribute to every discussion that we have, whether we do it virtually mm. or whether we do it face-to-face. -face. Can I just check one thing in there? You'd said that they get a mentor. Is that a mentor from the board? Yes, the way I've done it is I've appointed a mentor to them from the board. If we've got somebody based in Melbourne, then ideally I'd have somebody from Melbourne so they can meet regularly. And if it's somebody from the country in our region, then mm. it's somebody from there with the right skill set. Mm -hmm. But yes, it's somebody to be an additional support to them outside of me as the chair, somebody they can talk to and get you know, up and running quite quickly. If they've got questions that they don't feel comfortable asking me, they've got somebody that they can ask. Our board does similar. In fact, we, for new board members, get a board buddy and also an executive buddy, somebody from the executive as well to work with. So it's a great thing. I think it's great both for the new person on the board, but also for the person who's been on the board for a while. I think both learn from the experience. So I just want to swing back to one of the other things you'd said. I think if I heard rightly, this is your first board, and I think if I heard rightly, you were on the board for seven months before you became the chair of the board. Yes. You became the chair pretty early on in, in your board role. Talk me through that. In the country boards, and I'm on a country board, and uh, the other thing, Helia, I was new to the area. So um, I was recently finished my work and decided that I wanted to do something and contribute and give back. And being on that particular board seemed to make sense. But I was joining a board at the time when there was a lot of turnover. There was the nine-year rule that mm -hmm. came in, mm -hmm. and most of our board had actually been part of that. So when I came on board, there were five new board members. There were two that were allowed to stay on because of, you know, the sort of corporate... Uh, intelligence and the history but were told that they would be leaving the board in the following year one of them was the chair and there was a couple of others that had been on for a couple of years who also didn't have the history and there was a lot happening so the current chair at the time who was fantastic asked me if I'd be interested in sharing with his support so he would shadow me and he would support me and would step in with me so I had a lot of meetings with him mm -hmm. rather than taking on the job in the following July 
And that made a lot of sense to me because that gave me a lead up period where I could work with him and learn from him and also feel that I had somebody there that I could fall back on if I had any questions. So he became my mentor, the go-to person. So that's how that all happened. What a great way of uh, of doing succession planning in a probably slightly quicker time than you'd initially expected, but it sounds like you went, right, okay, how are we all going to make the best of this situation and put in place some things to really support you in taking in on that role? Yes, and I suppose nobody was really keen to do it at the time and I was happy to put my hand up. Mm. So it's been a wonderful experience and we have got such a brilliant board at Tim Boone. You know, they are so open and we've got a diversity in terms of gender, in terms of age groups, in terms of, you know, skill sets, in terms of, you know, half of our board comes from Melbourne, the other half, are, you know, based around the region. It's been great because everybody comes in with a perspective. Everybody asks a question a different way. It's non-threatening. So if people don't agree with you, you don't feel as if you're a failure or you know, and that's what we want. We want people to ask those difficult questions, questions that don't make sense to them so that everybody has the opportunity to explain mm-hmm. and we come to the conclusion together. So far, it's working well. And it sounds like, I think I heard you say also that you were new to the area. So I'm guessing that's helped you to um, to really meet some people in the area and to really get into the local community as well. Oh, look, it's been amazing um, because we are a multi-purpose service. Um, you know, we're very much driven by community needs. We went out and surveyed our community. We surveyed them by doing it different ways. Some of it was surveying online, but we also had a community caravan that we parked around the various areas and asked people to come to us. And we asked them lots of questions. We interviewed the school, we interviewed the footy club, you know, so it was great. But one of the pieces of feedback we received was that we were a great hidden secret. The only way you got to know us is if you got sick and had to go there. But nobody really went there for anything else. So the marketing side of that had to be improved. And we have got a great website now. We've got a great Facebook page. We have been very creative, and this is the executives there. We've got a community engagement that uh, focuses on it's Men's Health Week this week. A great story from one of the community members about their journey of prostate cancer. So we're really involving the community in everything that we do. And that's been amazing. It's been wonderful. Oh, Marianne, we have covered so much in this conversation that I think will be valuable for people to think about in terms of their own boards and induction and around working virtually. What are the main points you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? Well, I think the main thing for me is leverage technology. I've worked with technology for the last, I'd say, 30 years easily, and I'm not a technical person. I simply use technology to make my life easier. And as soon as someone says, provide a report on this, or can you prove this? I'd like to sort of tap a button and get a report out and demonstrate that we're on top of this. And I know more and more things are being delivered that way. You know, even the integrity framework that Joanne Morford talked about recently, you know, it's an online assessment tool. For me, as soon as someone has an induction plan online, they fill out the skills matrix, I know where my conversation with that individual is going to go. 
and I know how I'm going to support them. Uh, so don't be afraid of the technology. In times like this, where we've got the opportunity to all get online using, you know, WebEx or Zoom or whatever, you know, the board meetings don't have to change. They just need to be led differently with the technology. And we're using that quite a bit. So don't be afraid of that. And also induction is key. I think, you know, when someone makes a commitment to join a board and when you take them on, you want them to contribute and you want them to have a voice, even if the voice isn't the same as your voice. That's good. That's actually what you do need. You want a different perspective. So focus on induction. Don't make it difficult. I'm happy to share what we've done. Um, I'm happy to point you into the direction of governance evaluator if you haven't got anything already that mm. does that sort of thing. And, um, you know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can all share from our experiences. Yeah, which is exactly why I have these conversations here. I'll make sure we put a link to governance evaluator in the show notes so people can get hold of that as well. Which, in fact, probably answers my next question, but I'll ask it anyway. Is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? If you want to have a look at the uh, Governance Evaluator, I'd highly recommend it because I came onto the board, didn't know what it was. And so with Governance Evaluator, whatever you put in is what you'll get out. And I'd highly recommend a conversation with them. I'm happy to talk to anybody about it um, and have the conversation and make your life easier. It's there. I've got templates I've created for our service. You can have them all. You don't have to start from nothing. So I'd say that's the best resource at the moment that I can think Absolutely. of. Absolutely. I think that's incredibly valuable. Fabulous. Well, we'll, we'll put a link to Governance Evaluator and um, we'll also put a link to your, maybe your LinkedIn in the show notes. So if people want to get in touch with you, they'll know how to do that. Fantastic. Thank you. Oh, Thank you so much for being on the podcast uh, with us today at Take On Board. I think there will be some amazing things in there for people in thinking about their inductions, both about thinking about inductions and working virtually, some beautiful pearls of wisdom. So thank you for sharing with us here today. Look, thank you for the opportunity, Helia, and um, I hope that it's of some use to someone out there. I have no doubt that it will be. Fabulous. Thanks, Marianne. That's all right. Bye. Hi there, it's Helia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.